Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. This is Dr. Sheldon L. Akins, host of the Leading Equity Podcast and a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. For more great podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. to episode 78 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about my maps. So if you're not familiar, my maps is this cool custom map tool that you can use that actually does live right in Drive where you can drop pins and you can add all sorts of information. It's really a pretty neat interactive mapping experience. There's so many ways you can use it across different grade levels and content areas. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. So we'll have that. Of course, we have some Google News and updates for you. We have a couple of things from the mailbag and some blog posts to share with you. So I think I am ready to do this. How about you, Casey? Let's go. Okay, y'all, let's jump into some Google news and updates. And I think this first one is going to get some of you pretty excited. So I found out about this just moments before we started recording, and we have some pretty important changes to Google Classroom. Yes, of course, we are always getting some updates. Google is listening to you, and what they have given us is now the ability to see the assignments in the stream. Ah, yes. Uh, Everybody sort of went a little chaotic when we separated the stream and the classwork page. But now, thanks to Alice Keeler, she has posted all about this because she was super happy, of course. And what this does is this gives you the ability to add uh, a few things back into the stream. So that first tab where kids see announcements and updates, you know, before they would only see like you had posted an assignment, but they would have to go to the classwork page to actually see the full assignment. Now you can actually go into your settings, which is up at the top. And when you're in your class, go to those class settings and you can tell it that you want classwork on the stream and how you want it to appear there. 
So you can have it add the attachments and the details or just keep it as a condensed notification if you like it that way. So I think a lot of teachers are really going to love this because now at a glance, they can see everything in one page and they still have the ability to jump over to the classwork page and see those changes right there. So, you know, they can see the full description, they can see any attachments. And as we all know, being able to see the details is really important because if they don't see the details, they have excuses, right? We don't want kids to have any excuses for why they didn't turn it in. They didn't know it was due. They're going to see the due date. They're going to see if they have turned it in right there in the stream. So very powerful. And of course, thank you to Alice Keeler for being one of the first ones to see this new update. It hasn't even uh, been shared that I have found anywhere by Google quite yet, but I think they um, are really working on listening to the things that teachers want in Google Classroom. Yes, yes, I agree. And I'm thinking that the more places that we can access and see things throughout Google Classroom, you know, the better, like the, the different, yeah, just... It's, and it's interesting to, to watch different people interact differently with the same tool. And I think that this is going to give a little bit of that extra flexibility so that no matter where they look, they're still able to find their assignments. We found a post in the keyword blog at Google called Helping Developers Create More Choice for Educators. And it gives you some information about how the people who develop the tools that we use in education, how they're supported by Google, what some of the things are that they do. This week actually is kind of a big week for that because we have the South by Southwest EDU conference, which really does go a long way to making that connection with the developers and the teachers and the people that are part of education organizations. And if you're not a developer, maybe this isn't, you know, there aren't a whole lot of actionable things for for us in education to do. But I think the fact that we're talking about the developers is important. Um, you know, I really believe that we're sort of in a interesting time in the history of education where the creators of so many of the tools that we use in the classroom are very accessible. I know for a lot of the companies that started as startups and are now uh, starting to gain some ground, they are really, really easy to get a hold of and to talk to. Like, for instance, I know there are a few of the tools that I use on a regular basis. The two that I think of off the top of my head are Pear Deck and Flipgrid. And I know of a handful of people in both company, um, both companies where if I need to get a hold of someone and ask a question, or if there's a feature that I think that they need, um, there are some channels to be able to do that. And so when it comes to all of this, I think it's just it's just important to know, and this goes with Google Classroom too. We've seen people click on that little question mark button in Google Classroom and submit feedback. And then some of those suggestions actually end up happening. So um, I think that that's, that's an important thing just to remember is that uh, a lot of the developers of a lot of the tools, Google and otherwise, really want to hear from us and want to create things that are useful to us. And I think we need to take full advantage of that. That's a great point. You know, having this transparency between the ed tech companies and the developers and all of these people who are, are creating things to be used in the classroom oftentimes don't know what it's like to actually be in the classroom. So they need our feedback and it's it's critical. Now, of course, I wish that was true of every 
everyone, but we, we all know that there are some things that we work with where they don't necessarily pay attention to what teachers want and they tend to go by the wayside. But that's one of the reasons why we here at the Google Teacher Tribe podcast love Google, right? We have so many things that we can do in our classroom and we love that Google actually listens to us, especially when it comes to things that are built just for education. So we know that's true for Google Classroom, but we also learned this week that Google has announced something new that's coming as well. So they have announced the release of the Chromebook app hub specifically for Google for Education, and it's going to be an online resource to help educators, administrators, and developers work together to learn about Chromebook apps and activities and ideas for schools. Now, again, they've just told this, told us about this. We don't have all the details. There's this nice little screenshot where I'm like looking at this tiny screen trying to figure out exactly what this has. But in my mind, what I see here is the ability to search by app, by category, by subject area, by learning goal, and find apps that will align to the things we want to do in the classroom. This is huge. I think this is a really big announcement. So the hub is going to, of course, increase that transparency between EdTech developers and what's going on in the classroom and help us help them make better apps. Now, what I also love about this is they are really paying attention to student data and privacy and all of those things that we all wish we didn't have to really pay attention to, but we know that we do. And so that will be also embedded in there about the different privacy settings and things like that. So I love the fact that they are saying this is going to be a great tool for schools and states as they look at resources. And I also loved this quote from Dr. Roland Rios, who's president of TCEA, and he was helping give some feedback on this. And he said, the new Chromebook app hub gives us just what we need, a network of passionate and dedicated developers building for education, creating for educators who are eager to mindfully integrate technology into the classroom. So I just think it looks like this is going to be a a really big release from Google. I'm super excited about this, Matt. Yeah, I know I am too. I'm really interested to see how this pans out and how, um, and how teachers end up using it. So we have one more post to share with you real quick. I found this one in the keyword blog too. Um, and this one's called living the multi dream by blending coding with a rap career. Um, so this, this is cool because it talks about a Googler named Brandon Tory who uh, works in Los Angeles, and I think he has a similar, um, may, maybe a similar existence in some way to many of our students. He has two passions that would appear to be very separate. Um, that he works within computer science at Google. But he also is really interested in hip hop music and creates his own music. He says um, when he was 13 years old, he saw movies like Goodwill Hunting and The Matrix and Hackers. And he got into math and computer science, but he also knew that he had this love of music. And as he continued to develop both of them, he started to realize that they're not that far apart. He says um, that now he views his ambitions in software and music as two parts of one whole or the way he calls it 
a multi dream, which I thought was such a cool idea that he, you know, he pulled them both together into this one word. They're a multi dream. And he says, in computers, we have multi threading where we're able to do multiple tasks and it seems like it's happening invisibly. And he says, I don't think of myself as someone who has two careers. I consider myself one person from a diverse background who's really enjoying learning and growing and two things that I love. And there's lots of crossover between those two things. So um, pretty cool article. Uh, it's always interesting to, to see stuff like this and make the connections back to the students that we have. So, And one other quote that I saw in this article that I thought was so uh, interesting was that he said in high school, he kept his love of technology to himself because at the time coding wasn't cool and none of my friends knew I was into coding. And, you know, that's so sad, but so many kids feel so alone when they have an interest. And, you know, sometimes those interests are really big and big dreams. So um, we don't want that to hold them back. So I also think that we as teachers should help find out what their interests are and help them find other people to connect with Mm -hmm. so that they can continue to do that. But I just thought that was really interesting that he admitted that he kind of kept it to himself and that it wasn't cool. Yeah, you're right. And how many of our kids are doing that, you know? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Um, And of course, if you want to check out the link to that story to read it yourself or anything else we've talked about in the news and updates, you can head to our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 78. So let's dive right into the tool of the day, which happens to be my maps. I kind of feel like my maps is one of those tools that probably not enough people know about, and there's so much potential for it, I think, in all sorts of different classes. So um, my maps basically is this tool, if you're not familiar with it, where you load up a map, and on that map, you can drop a variety of pins. And so if you think about, you know, putting a map of the United States or of the world up on your wall and then putting little push pins in it, it's kind of like that, only better. Because with each of those pins, um, you can add a title, you can add a description, you can add photos, you can add clickable links. So really each one of those pins represents this, this one multimedia place where you can drop a whole bunch of information and you can share a lot too. And of course, from that, you can take all of these pins and you can put them into different layers and you're able to turn the layers on and off so that you can see them real clearly. And you've got a variety of different icons you can use as pins. There's so much that you can do with it. And, um, you know, one of the, um, one of the first things that I think people use my maps for is just dropping those pins now, what's neat about my maps is that you can take this map and you individually, you can create your own map. You know, so for me, if I was an individual student, I could make a new map. I could drop 10 different pins in a variety of locations and I could put information on each pin. But what you can also do is work collaboratively within the same map. And, you know, so, so that might look like one person, maybe you as the teacher, creates a map, and then sets the sharing settings as anyone with the link can edit. And so whenever you do that, you share that link with your students and they can all jump in and start dropping pins too. Now, one of my favorite examples of using this came from a hyperdoc that Lisa Highfill created. Of course, we had Lisa Highfill on the show not too long ago talking about hyperdocs. And she created this hyperdoc called My Happy Place. 
and students find out about, you know, they, they watch a little video that talks about some of, you know, someone's happy place and why they enjoy it and why it makes them feel special. And then students write a little bit about their own personal happy places. And then they go to my maps and they drop a pin on that location. And when they work on it all collaboratively together like that, you're able to see everybody's happy places and where they are all at one glance. And it's just such a neat sort of like cumulative thing that students do together at the end of that activity so that everybody is all in the same spot. So just as far as dropping pins goes, there's lots and lots that you can do with that particular feature within my maps. Yeah, I love my maps and I totally agree with you. I think it's one of those things that a lot of people just don't even know exists. One, it is connected to Google Drive and G Suite for Education, but it's one of those ones when you're in Drive, you go to new, you have to click on more, and then you'll see my maps down at the bottom. So it's one of those kind of that's hidden. It's the less frequently used kind of tool, but it's actually really powerful and there are so many ways to use it to tell stories, to take your students on an adventure or to have them creating and and taking on those adventures themselves. And so one of the first ways I think I really experienced this more in the student seat was at the Google Teacher Academy back in the day. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Way back in 2014, when we were at the Google Teacher Academy in Austin, we did an activity that was built to mimic the amazing race. And what they did is they had a series of uh, my map activities that were connected to Google Forms. And so I have since taken that activity and used it in some professional development as well. And what's great is you drop a pin on a map, you give them a clue. There's some kind of piece that they have to solve research that that's usually how I use it is is testing those Google search skills and then they have to answer it inside a Google form and they don't get the clue to go to the next destination until they get that answer correct so playing off of the you know the whole amazing race thing uh, a little competitive if you want it to be but it's a really fun idea I have in the show notes one of the clues, just to show you an example, this is is one that I used when I was teaching some Google search skills. And you can see on the pin that you can also add additional information. So we're not just dropping a pin in a location. We can actually add other layers to this, like images, links, um, and other things to make it multimedia type of adventure. Yes. Yeah. That's such a cool thing. Um, and And... I mean, really, this is one of those things where you could apply this to a variety of different kinds of classes and just the sort of competitive nature of it. And um, I just I really, really love this activity. It's it's so cool. So another piece of my maps that I found really useful is that it has this thing that allows you to draw a line around a certain location Um it kind of reminds me of in slides and drawings, you have the polyline tool where you click, 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 and you can create a shape. And each one of those clicks is a little point and it kind of connects all of them together and it, it makes it into a shape. Now, what you can do with this in my maps 
is you use this draw line tool. It's up in the little toolbar. You can find it really easily. And you you start clicking to make these points to draw the perimeter around the outside of something. And once you've completed the whole shape, it'll tell you what the area is inside of that shape. And since, you know, we're talking about bigger places on a map, it measures it in acres. I think it measures it in another different way. And um, basically what you can do with that is find the area of a certain location on a map and then compare it to another area. Um, for instance, there's a there's an, an activity, an example activity that you could do. Um, <laughs> whenever I talk about this, I use my my house as an example because I live in a very remote area of um, very rural West Central Indiana. Um, we live on about 25 acres, and um, I've always thought that the location where I lived that it was about half woods and about half grass. So I thought, hey, we could turn this into a math activity and use this tool to draw around on the map, to draw around the grassy part of my property and the wooded part of my property, and then compare the the sizes of it and make percentages of it and everything. Of course, you don't have to use my house to do this. There's a variety of different places in the um, on maps that where you could do an activity like that. But um, just being able to draw the perimeter of it and to see how long that perimeter is, and then also to see how much surface area is inside of it. That opens up lots of different activities you could do. Definitely. I love that you can use it for math, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that we don't automatically think of when we see a geography tool, right? And I don't know about you, Matt, but my geography skills could definitely use a little oh bit of goodness, a boost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you know this, but don't ever follow me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever know where I'm going. So <laughs> I need maps and I need custom maps a lot of times too. So that's what's so great about this tool. And obviously one way that this I've seen this use is when people are getting married and they're making the maps from the church to the reception hall or whatever. So there's a lot of personal uses for this too, but I've seen this. Of course, this is great when you're mapping out and you've got an event going on at school. You might be making a map for parents, but field trips also come to mind. And, you know, showing kids where you're actually going and talking about, hey, how do we get there? How long does it take to get there? You know, making that a real world problem for them to solve. And uh, teachers, hint, hint, um, this is on the Google Certified Educator exam. I think this one's on level two. <laughs> Hopefully I'm remembering correctly. I keep way too much <laughs> of that information in my brain at once. But um, they do actually have you mapping out some different points that you may hit on a on a different field trip. So sometimes that might be for students. Sometimes that might be for parents who are coming and just hitting um, some different stops along the way. But it is a great tool. And once you add that first pin you'll see some of those editing tools. So first of all, you do see longitude and latitude. So for those of us who still have trouble remembering that, <laughs> it's there to help us and see where that is on the map. And then you've got your paint bucket. So you can have colors, you can use different icons for your pins. You can obviously add titles and descriptions and add images. And then you can also add that driving directions piece and add all of those different layers. So this becomes a very, very robust tool, no matter if you're telling stories or it's a real life 
traveling event that's happening for you or your students that you can really make the most of this and and show students how to get to this tool, show them how to create with this yes. tool. Yeah, absolutely. There's yeah, there's just tons and tons of different things that we can do with it. And I love just continuing to think about what some of the other things are that we can do. And, you know, we could, of course, go on and on and on here. Uh, we haven't even really touched on the layers, which is the way that you can take all of the different pins and you can organize them into groups. And so I've even thought about with this, what if you had a liar, layer, a liar, wow, I'm losing my words now, a layer uh, for each of the different biomes in a science class. And so if you had those and then you plotted different locations with, you know, in each of the biomes, you could turn all of the layers off except for one biome and you could clearly see where all of those um, points are. And then you turn the, the layer off and turn another layer on for a different biome. And, you know, that that could go a variety of different locations, too. So lots and lots of things that we can continue to do with this. And if you're looking for even more ways to use Google My Maps, I mean, there's been plenty of them in this episode, of course, but if you're looking for more ideas, I've even got a blog post in there of 20 ways you can use My Maps. All of that stuff is available in the show notes, which you could get at googleteachertribe.com slash 78. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. What is it? Matt always says, let's jump into the mailbag. <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> I, I'm sure that everybody really needs the visual of us jumping into some post office mailbag filled with letters. But um, thank goodness that that's not how we actually have to get the mail for the Google Teacher Tribe anymore, that we love seeing what you're doing and that you're sharing everything that's going on in your classrooms, your questions, your ideas. This helps make the tribe so valuable um, when you do that. So we have a really special speak pipe message here from a student, which I love. Yes. So this is from Camden Valachek, who is a fifth grader in South Carolina and happens to be the daughter of Lindy Valachek, who is also a member of the tribe. So thank you, Lindy. I'm sure you helped promote this, this message here, but Camden wants us to start using lit trips in our classroom. So listen to this. Hi, Casey and Matt. My name is Cameron Valachek, and I'm a fifth grader from Berkeley County School District in South Carolina. I get to listen to y'all in the car going to and from school with my mom. I wanted to tell you why teachers should use Google Lit Trips in their classrooms. I think it is really cool because it makes you feel like you're the character in the book because it uses 360-degree pictures. You feel like you are on the journey that the character is on because it uses Google Earth and Tor Builder to take you to the places in the book. I'm reading Number the Stars. And Google Lit Trip makes, takes me to the street where the sisters are stopped by the Nazi soldiers. It also shows the castle that King Christian lived in. I like that it gives you questions to think about throughout the story, pictures, and also videos. Another one that I like is the Diary of Anne Frank. I like that one because it takes me to the secret annex that she hid. That is why I wish teachers would use Google Lit Trips in their classrooms. Okay, isn't that oh, just yeah. adorable? And yes, thank you, Camden, for using y'all in your message. <laughs> <laughs> it does make it so appropriate for the tribe. And you're right, teachers really need to start using Google Lit Trips more. So if you've never experienced this, it is um, something that takes place inside Google Earth. These are Lit Trips that will help 
students really take on their character, like Camden says, and explore the different parts of, of the setting of the novel through Google Lit Trips. And as a language arts teacher, I really geek out over that one. So thank you so much to Camden and Lindy for sharing yes, that. absolutely. And how did Camden know that we were going to be talking about maps and tie that into our show like that? How did that's that's pretty cool. I think she's pretty she smart. Is. I think I think she's got some sort of like Google teacher tribe yes, intuition. Yes, she does. That's right. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. The next one is one that we found on um, Twitter. This was shared through um, a, a variety of different hashtags. And um, this one comes to us from, I'm going to guess she pronounces it Jenna. This is, I'm going to say Jenna Jones or Gina, one of the two. And she's from Virginia Tech Elementary School and. She did the coolest activity. Uh, and of course, surprise, surprise, it worked from Google Slides because we, you know, we do love a good slide deck here on the Google Teacher Tribe. And so, uh, what she did was she was, she was teaching proportions with her students and she taught almost the whole activity or at least a good chunk of the activity off of the back of a Bisquick box, you know, Bisquick for making biscuits and pancakes and all of that. So what she did was she used the way to, you know, use two cups of Bisquick and one cup of milk and two eggs to make 14 pancakes. And if you did the entire box, you would get 155 pancakes and all of that. So she she used that ratio to help students work with ratios in math and asked a couple of questions about, you know, about the ratio table and which one of these statements are true and so, you know, she, she basically looked at all of these different ingredients and turned it into this whole lesson. And of course, what kind of teacher wouldn't, you know, would teach about pancakes without making pancakes for her students? So there is this fun picture of her with her griddle and her Bisquick box and her apron standing in her class. And they, of course, if after they learned about pancakes, they had to make some and eat them. And what I love about it is that she even extended it to uh, to doing proportions with the the students and measuring their forearms and measuring you know the um, you know how how long around the the words are escaping me again the basically like how big their their heads were and comparing them um, that was another neat piece of this. But she even said, she told me in a message later, she said, as I was mixing the ingredients, we also talked about extending the recipe ratio table in order to double the recipe for the class size. And the batter was a cool visual for them to see uh, that we had to have the correct proportions to create the correct consistency. And of course, she based it all out of Google Slides. So such a cool idea. And uh, of course, this is one that you can check out too. She gave us a link to her slide deck and to the original tweet with all the pictures. You can see that again at our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 78. I love this. I think it is an adorable idea. I think it, it grabbed both of our oh, yeah. attention on, on Twitter. I was like, what? She's cooking in front of class. That's so cool. And the kids are probably loving it. And um, I, I don't know about you. I feel like I'm confessing all of my bad skills today, but I'm not very good at doubling recipes or half, you know, having to cut them in half or whatever. And so I probably need to go through mm -hmm. this lesson with you, Jenna. Maybe I need to attend your class yeah. sometime. Especially if you've got so, thank you for sharing this because 
I, hey, you people think you, you when am I going to use this in real life? This is exactly when you're going to use this in real life. So thank you so much for sharing this. We've got a couple of blog posts to share with you that we think are going to be helpful, useful, give you some new ideas. And the one I wanted to share, this is, this may seem sort of odd, but this is a blog post about math coming from the Spanish teacher. That's me. So this is a post called Four Ways to Make Math Come Alive with Google Tools. I got an email from a teacher recently uh, that was at one of my trainings and I was showing some cool things you could do with Google. And she says, yeah, but math. <laughs> and that's basically what her whole email was. It was, yeah, but how am I going to do all of this with math? And I started thinking, hmm, well, what is it that you teach? And she gave me a few examples. And um, I put together an email that I'm going to share a lot of that email in this uh, post that talks about some ways that you can teach some of those math concepts using Google tools. And I know that a lot of times math teachers do kind of struggle because math really is a very different thing than some of the things that we do with, with some of these Google tools. So here are some four very concrete things. And the neat thing about it is that they can even be modified to be used in other different types of activities too. So, so maybe go check that post out. That's fabulous. Yes. Math teachers um, always come to me with struggles in trying to figure out how to really use technology in some of the, the things that they do. So I love that you're you're sharing this. I have a series that I wanted to share. And uh, Chris, cue the Stranger Things theme song. <laughs> if you are a fan of the Netflix series Stranger Things, you may love this. Even if you are not a fan of the Netflix series, you will love this. This is a special themed uh, episode, I should say, not episode, it's a blog post <laughs> called Stranger Google Crazy Tools from the Upside Down. And this actually came from a presentation that I've been doing. And these are lesser known Google tools. And so I've done several presentations on the lesser known tools over the years. They used to do one called the Golden Treasures of Google. So those things that are outside of Google Drive, well, most of these are Google experiments. They use uh, Google Voice, AI, machine learning, all kinds of really fun things. And there was so much in my presentation that it would fit into one post. So I've got part one and part two, and there will be a part three coming as well. But um, so these are all of the tools that you've never heard of, the, the things that can really be interesting in the classroom in a different way that it's taking you outside of just docs and slides and the usual G Suite tools. Just some really interesting things to see that Google is working on. And, you know, it's always fun to see how the new technology begins to affect these tools and how people begin to develop all of these things. So um, if you if you like the theme, it, it doesn't really matter. But if you do, there's some some hat tips in there to lots of things. In fact, I actually quoted Stranger Things in my book. So I I am a fan and I think there's a lot we can learn from the teacher in inside of, of the Stranger Things 
uh, series. And Mr. Clark teaches us that the students, we want them to always open the curiosity door. And I just always love that. So there's a special video clip of that particular scene that I've also shared inside the blog post. This is so cool. And there are so many of them. I'm flipping down through this. There's so many of these that I didn't even know about. I'm like, I'm learning a lot from this too. So yeah, definitely go check out this series. This is, this is pretty cool stuff. Well, that wraps up episode 78 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did and exploring all of the amazing things that you can do with my maps in your classroom. So I hope that if you've never tried it before, that this is one of those tools you're willing to spend a few minutes going into Google Drive and creating a new my map and just play around for a little bit, see what it's capable of and think of all of the different ways that you may be able to integrate this into your classroom. And I think that we also need to give a huge shout out to all of you who have left reviews for the Google Teacher Tribe in Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate that. That is how so many other teachers will find and follow the podcast. So if you haven't done that, I would just like to ask you to please take the time to leave us a review and let us know what you think of the podcast. And we hope that you will continue to follow and connect with us online and through the GT yes, tribe. Absolutely. Hashtag. Please, please, please. That would be wonderful. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of the Google teacher tribe podcast, and we will see you on the next episode. Bye y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.